Good morning, good morning. Chanukah Sameach breakfast is sponsored by Ralph Batesh in honor of his wife Jill and their family. Hazaku Baruch. Okay, now the word Chanukah itself is a very interesting word. What does it mean, Chanukah? So we explained yesterday the connotation of the amalgam of the word of Chanukah. Today I want to take maybe a little bit of a different tack because this word appears in many different places. It's the same word as Chinuch. Chinuch means, when we talk about educating our children, we use the word Chinuch. But Chinuch, translating the word Chinuch as education is really not enough. Because it really goes much deeper than just educating when we try and educate our children. In fact, the proof for that is that the word Chinuch appears in the context of things which aren't children. We find the word Chinuch by the Mizbeach. When they first built the Mizbeach, they were mechanech the Mizbeach. We have the concept at home of a Chanukat Habayit. Also, are we educating our home? And on some levels, we are, but that's not for today. Today I want to talk about the alternate meaning of this Chanukat Habayit, this dedication of the home. Opening the home, having words of Torah, having Berachot be said. Rabotai, it's such a beautiful mitzvah, the idea of Chanukat Habayit. Um, and I, I know once I did a Chanukah Tabai, it was so beautiful. And the in-laws came up and they said, you know, uh, is it too late? Is it, uh, if we didn't do the Chanukah Tabai when we first moved in, is it too late to make a Chanukah Tabai in our house? To have mitzvot, to have Torah, to have Berachot, to say prayers that everything should go well in the house. What a beautiful custom that is. Is it too late for us? I said, no, you can make it whenever you want. There's always more days that you have in the house. You missed the opportunity then, so we'll do it now. So we, uh, we went to the house, we did the Chanukah Tabayit, and I said, so tell me, how long has it been you know, since you moved in? And the guy says, oh, let me check. He gets out the paper, and he says, well, we moved in in 1977. <laughs> so it was, it was 42 years, Rabotai. 42 years since they moved in. What a magnificent mitzvah. To not say it's too late, the time passed, da la 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 But to take advantage, you know, if I never did it, okay, now I'll do it. I have people that tell me sometimes, you know, Rabbi, I never learned how to read Hebrew. Okay, so now you learn. I never learned how to come to synagogue to say uh, the prayers, I have to come for Kaddish for whatever reason. Okay, now you're here. Like, you know, the, uh, I love the line that the angel says to uh, the angel, when the angel comes to stand up against uh, Yehoshua, Yehoshua says, what are you here for? And the angel says, Atabati, which means now I'm here. And I, I always love, there's lots of deep interpretations as to what the Malach was telling Yehoshua. Yehoshua was asking him, why are you standing against me? Is it because of, uh, of the, the lack of Talmud Torah or is it because of the sin that they had done at that moment? And the Malach said, Atabati, he meant to refer to one of them. But I, I think to myself sometimes that the word Atabati, which means I'm, 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 now I'm here. I'm here now. That's something that angels say. When a person at the age of 45, 50, 60, 70 walks to the Beit Knesset, and, and you know what? He, I've never been here before. But he says, Atabati, but now I'm here. That's the, those are the words of an angel. My grandfather, uh, towards the end of his life, started coming to shul every single day when he was living in our, in our house. In South Bend, it was much more difficult to, to, you know, to kind of keep Torah and mitzvot. It was a very small religious Jewish community over there. But when he finally moved and he, you know, towards the end of his life and he was with us and he found such joy in going to the Beit Knesset, you know, Atabati, now I'm here.
What a beautiful thing to not write off a, a life and to say at whatever stage you can to learn more, to grow more, to start taking classes. You know, someone said to me, well, I'm not going to start learning Gemara now, I'm too old. What do you mean too old? You know, there's no, there's no point that a person is too old. But specifically, uh, the concept of beginning something anew, we can begin something anew at any stage and at any time. You don't only do chinuch mizbeach for a brand new mizbeach or a brand new menorah. The the Maccabi, the the uh, the Maccabi family, the Fesh family, the Chashmonaim, they started something new on something that was quite old. You know, it was only a hundred years before the temple was destroyed after the Greeks left. So they had about a hundred years in that temple before the Romans came and destroyed it. But that means that that menorah was there for th- almost three hundred plus three hundred plus years. So they took something 300 years old and they made it new again. They refreshed it. They brought in a new spirit and a new you know, exuberance. And Baruch Hashem, we're feeling that also in the Beta Knesset here uh, with classes and with all sorts of different things, uh, a refreshing, a renewal that's, uh, that's uh, a renaissance that's taking place over here. But Rabbi this idea, the connection of Chinuch, of children, of Chanukh, of Chanukah, Chinuch of the Menorah, the Chanukah Tabait of the Bet HaMikdash, the rededication of the Temple, is uh, something which has a very practical ramification. The Sefarim tell us that when a person is lighting the Shabbat candles, that is a time when they have a chance to be able to pray for the raising of their children, that their children should grow up to be Tamidei Chachamim, that their children should grow up to be good people. And if their children are all grown up, so to speak, never too old to pray for your children to grow up a little bit more, to pray that the houses, that the, the, the Shalom Bayit, the, the connection between all of the children and the children and the parents is strengthened and magnified. When a person's lighting the Chanukah candles, it's a wonderful time to say those prayers. And I want to share with you uh, something that I read which absolutely gave me goosebumps. All right? There's a young man who wakes up in a sweat in the middle of the night. It's already the third time that he's had this dream and his heart is pounding. He doesn't know what to do. He's flipping out. Let me back up. What's the dream? He had a friend whose name was Uriah. Uriah was a young man who, saw, who struggled with cancer for six years. When he first got the cancer, they discovered it at a very advanced stage. They gave him a few months. But he defied the odds and he managed to fight for six more years on earth. During those six years, this man Uriah and his wife were able to have two more children. They had two kids, they had two more. They had three girls and one son and one boy. The fight against cancer left his friend ravaged. He even lost his eye in the attempt to stay in the game, not to give up. He, they, uh, what's it called? They had to take out and remove his eye in order for him to survive. But everything that he accepted, he accepted with a big smile on his face. He always, he never complained. He had tremendous emunah. He was an unbelievable rock for himself and for his whole family. Until finally, after six years, he passed away and he left this world uh, with, uh, with a, an almana, a widow, and with four yitomim, four orphans that missed their father terribly. So his friend is shocked all of a sudden to have gotten a, a dream where his friend comes to him in his dream and he says to him, Chanukah is coming. It's time. It's a time where a person can pray 
for the education of their children, the children should grow up to be, to grow up the right way. He says, please, my son is not doing well in school. Please, he says, go to my mother and ask her on the first night of Hanukkah, when they light the candles, to pray that my son should do better in school, should be able to settle in. It probably has so, much challenge, so many challenges, so much stress and anxiety about the fact that he's the only kid that's coming to school with no one to pick him up, uh, no father to pick him up, etc., etc. No father to study with him, the Gemara that he's learning in school. You know, please ask my mother to pray for him. The guy, he gets the dream once, he thinks, wow, I can't believe this is the weirdest thing. You know, out of nowhere that my friend should come to me. He says, it can't be. Also, what is this? He's telling me to go to his mother. You know, why would I go to his mother? If it was real, he would have told me to go to his wife. Or you know what? Better yet, if it was real, he would have showed up to one of them. What is he coming to me for? The second night already, okay? The first dream was on Wednesday night. On Thursday night, he goes back to bed. He has the exact same dream. His friend comes to him, tells him, you don't know the pain that I'm in, in Shamaim, in heaven, because my son is not doing well in school. Please, you got to go to my mother. He's thinking to himself, you know what, I dreamed it the second night, only because I dreamed it the first night, you know? That's why I'm dreaming this dream again. It can't be that it's, you know, it's a real thing. Ask himself the questions. Friday night, he dreams of Uriah, his friend, a third time. But this time, his friend, Uriah, is not taking no for an answer, Rabotai. He says to his friend in the dream, straight away as soon as the fellow kind of slips into his uh, unconscious state, he says to his friend, I don't understand. Are we friends or not? I come now, this is the third time you made me come to you. I didn't ask you for something outlandish. I didn't ask you for something difficult. I asked you to pick up the phone and call my mother. Now it's almost Hanukkah. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, is going to be the night where they're lighting the first time. My son's not doing well. There's nothing I could do. I've come to my friend to ask him for a simple request. Why are you not honoring my request? The guy wakes up in a sweat. He's shaking. He's shaking, he's shaking, he's shaking. Oh, I forgot, sorry. Before he wakes up, he says, okay. In his dream, he says to Uriah, okay, I'll do it. He says, but I noticed. He says, you don't have your eye patch. The way he remembered his friend was with the eye patch after they removed his eye. And his friend says, eye patch, you kidding? Did you forget where I am? The eye patch, the missing eye, was a function of my physical body. I'm in Shamayim now. The whole body that you're seeing is just a wrapper for the soul. I, there's no, I have no problems. He says, I could see, it up here I could see a thousand times better than you. The guy wakes up, he's shaking, he's sweating. He knows he's not sleeping anymore, but there's one thing he's thinking to himself. I can't believe I waited this long, three times, to go and pick up the phone. What did it cost me? All I need to do is pick up the phone. Why, you know, what's the, what was the problem? Why didn't I do that? He didn't ask much of me. And then when I, you know, he, you know the, reason, the reason why he didn't go to his mother, he told me in the third dream, is because he didn't want to frighten his family. Oh, sorry, there's one other bit. He said, I keep forgetting that this is a beautiful story, yeah? He says, so, he says, I bet you're wondering why I didn't go to my wife. He says, when since, and this is fascinating, he says, since I passed, my wife remarried. He says, my access to my wife is blocked because she's married to another man. Isn't that fascinating? Okay, this is a story heard by the person who wrote it directly from the person it happened to. So he's getting all this information. He's flipping out now. It's Friday night, and he knows Saturday night his, uh, the, guy, the guy's going to lie. What if he doesn't reach the, the mother-in-law in time? What if he doesn't reach the guy's mother in time? 
So the whole Shabbat he's praying for one thing and one thing only. He's praying that he manages to catch them before they light, because that's what happens. People run home and they light right away. Not only that, he says, I don't know if the, the guy who passed away, his father's a big rabbi, maybe, I don't know if he waits or doesn't wait. I always wait, Rabbeinu Tam, extra time after Shabbat. How could I pick up the phone if I wait 72 minutes? He said to himself, when I accepted this minhag on myself, I didn't accept it on myself under these circumstances. That's actually a very interesting case with regards to a neder. If a person makes a neder and then there's some random weird scenario. So a lot of times we'll say in halakha, it's called mikre nadir, which means a very rare scenario. When there's a rare scenario, so we didn't accept the minhag because you couldn't have thought of that. So the second it's over, he picks up the phone, he's calling, he's calling, calling. Rabbi Stein, the father of the, of the niftar, comes home from shul and his wife says, look, I didn't want to pick up the phone before you lit the candles, but the phone keeps ringing, 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 ringing. Maybe it's an emergency. I don't recognize the number. Finally, he says, okay, you know what? It's almost 72 minutes. We're going to light as soon as the 72 minutes are over, right? He says, answer the phone and then we'll light. She answers the phone. Her husband is standing there with the candle and out comes this remarkable, you know, unbelievable story. Your, your son came to me, da, 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 da. he told me that, you, that, his, that his son is not doing well in school. He's, asked, you know, he's asking me how come, first time, second time, third time. And I, you know, I asked him, how come he doesn't go to you? He didn't want to frighten you. How come he doesn't go to his wife? He can't because she's remarried. He has no access to visit her in, in her dream. He says, it's the craziest story, but I thought I have to call you and tell you to pray for your, uh, what's it called? For your, for your grandson to do well. You know, he's not doing, she says, I can't believe this. I can't believe that you know that this boy, so of late, had started you know deteriorating in school. The principal and the and everyone in the school tried everything, but the kid just wasn't connecting. Probably because of his grief over his father, they tried everything that they could possibly try. Nothing worked. The grandparents tried. The the father, the mother tried. Nothing. Nothing seemed to change the situation. She says, and out of the blue, you're telling me that you know this. Nobody knows this. You know, I can't believe it. She says, of course I'll do it. He hangs up the phone. The person who wrote the story, heard the story directly from the grandfather, whose name was Rav Menachem Stein. Okay? Now, Rabotai, to me, I read a story like that. First of all, it gives me the goosebumps. Number two, right? And this is, and this is really the, the drive home point. You don't need to have a dream like this in order to pray for your children. You don't need someone to come visit you. All we need to think about is the idea that the, uh, that the story of Hanukkah is a story of Misirut Nefesh by people who are willing to give everything to do the right thing. That rededication of the Bet HaMikdash is really the message that all of our children need to hear. They need to hear that no matter what, you stand for your principles. That you never let someone shake you from what you know to be right. Number two, the lesson of Hanukkah, which is the power of Chinuch, is that you never think that something is beyond your capacity or capability to achieve. These, this is the bedrock of Chinuch, Rabotai. Okay? Number three, when someone is sitting there, they have all this can, they have all this oil. They know that they're not getting oil for another eight days. They know they're not getting oil for another eight days. How come they didn't light one-eighth of the oil each night? That's what I would do. Now you know, you have a little bit less oil, but you could light each night. And the answer is, Rabotai, that that's also the tremendous lesson for Chinuch. 
that when it comes to doing the right thing and you're not sure how you're going to get tomorrow, the answer isn't to divide and divide and divide and to water something down until it's not actually there. You do everything that you can. You push the boat out and you ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help you. You do all that is in your capability. And then after that, there's nothing more that Hashem could ask of me. I want to share with you something that I think is such an interesting idea here. In logic, the reform movement makes much more sense than the orthodox movement. Let me explain. You have a bunch of rabbis sitting in Germany. They see that the people are not connected. So what should they do? So what they do is they think, let's make it easier, let's make it easier to be Jewish. Let's cut out a couple of things. Let's change the language in the Beit Knesset from this to that, the classes, from this into, into German. Let's, you know, make a little bit of musical accompaniment on Friday night. And in their head, you know what? What's better? To have, a, you know, a little bit of music, break the law a little bit, and have the people, Beit Knesset, be full? At least they're praying. At least they're attending Shabbat. Now, the logic makes sense. But the problem is that when you water something down, when you're willing to break the law, to keep the law, you've broken the law that you're trying to get them to keep. What the Hashmonaim taught us in that moment is that you go all out, like the song goes, in a blaze of glory. You do yours. If there will be no more oil tomorrow night, that's not my problem. That's God's problem. And you know what? Had there been no miracle, and on the second night, they would have had no oil, what would have been the halakha? It would have been an honest. But at least they would have lit the first light according to the halakha. Do you understand the point? It's not your problem to figure it out. It's your problem to do your best and to do what's right. That's why Chanukah is misugal for the prayers to be able to pray for a person. Now there's a special tefillah, the tefillah tashelah. It was written, a beautiful tefillah that it's said on a different time of the year, but it's written beautifully. If a person would like to sit and say the tefillah at the, at the candles, matovu manaim. If you want to say your, oh, your prayer that your wife says when she prays the, uh, over the Shabbat candles, matovu manaim. You want to say it in English, in your own words, so you can communicate from the depths of your heart. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I have news for you. He speaks all languages. Take the opportunity on the nights of Chanukah while the Chanukah candles are burning. Don't do it while you're lighting. Because however important this is, you know, you don't break the halakha to keep the halakha, okay? Finish the lighting so it's not a hefsek on the lighting. After the candles are lit, stand there by the menorah for a few extra minutes. You know, you can close your eyes if you want to and pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like we say, the tefillah is so beautiful. We, says, uh, <clears throat> we say, um, and they light up the world. We talk about our children, right? We pray that our children should be just like the Chanukah candles, should be uh, ones that light up the world and, and make it a, a, a place that HaKadosh Baruch Hu intended, intended it to be. May Hashem answer all of our prayers. May Hashem allow us to refresh and rededicate not only the Menorah, the Beta Mikdash, but our own Batem Mikdash at home. The, the uh, Sefarim ask, why is it that if the nest, the miracle happened in the temple, we should light candles in the temple? Now we do upstairs, but that's not the main mitzvah. The main mitzvah is to light it in your home. If the, mitzvah, if the miracle happened in the temple, why don't we light it in the temple? And the answer is, Rabotai, because each and every Jewish home has the, con- is the concept, is the idea of a mini bet 
Hamikdash. That's what it is. It's a temple. It's a place where divine law and divine practice are being taught, and therefore it is actually being lit in all of the temples and all the Batei Mikdash. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Ve'amen.